Good morning and greetings to each of you in Jesus' name this morning. You may have noticed that I like to preach about subjects ongoing over several Sundays. When I first was ordained and started preaching, I would try to put everything into one sermon about a subject. And it made for fairly long sermons. And I've been working on that and trying to keep that from happening. But my mind often runs in on a certain subject. And so I'll preach about an aspect of it and then I'll continue to preach about it. And uh, I've been thinking about council meeting coming up and there's a particular aspect of that that I want to preach about in three weeks. And so this message is kind of a beginning or a lead-up message to that message. And the title of the message this morning is, How Important is the Truth? I like to ask questions, and this title is a question. And when we, we talk about truth, we really think about how important the truth is to us individually. I'll ask it a little different way. Does the truth matter? There are those who say no to that question. But I believe that deep within we all realize that the truth does matter. And we especially recognize it when we are on the receiving end of a lie. Ravi Zachariah tells about taking his family to visit England's Old Bailey courtroom. While he was there, a man while they were there, a man was being tried for a despicable crime. And the prosecutor, prosecution presented a convincing case that the man was guilty. And Ravi felt an anger rising up within himself that this man was just meekly and innocently responding to the charges that were placed against him. And then the defense took the stand and they began to present an equally convincing case that the incident had never even happened. As Ravi and his family left the courtroom that day, he said that none of them were convinced that they knew the truth about what happened. I remember reading a story in the Reader's Digest many years ago about a man who was charged with a crime, accused of a crime. He pled innocent, but he was convicted of that crime. 30 years, after 30 years in prison, DNA testing proved him to be innocent. The millions that he received in compensation could never bring back 30 years behind bars. And if the truth is important in a single incident, 
where only a few lives are affected, how much more is it important to know the truth and the source of truth about the essence and meaning and destiny of life? And that's a very individual thing because each of us is experiencing life. I'd like to think just a little bit about culture in relation to this. Culture is the effort for us to bring coherence to the essence and meaning and destiny of life. Or in other words, it's an effort to bring logical consistency to the reality that we're experiencing. But culture at its core is not based on environment. It's based on a belief system. It's based on what we believe to be true about reality. And without truth, culture becomes disconnected from reality. And we live in a time when many consider truth to be relative. Like I mentioned earlier that some people say that truth does not matter or that it is relative to my experience or my environment. Knowledge abounds in our world, but without a fixed point by which to anchor that knowledge, life becomes confusing. Travel and communication have opened the door to culture around the world, not just the culture that we live in, but we're exposed to culture around the world. And there are around 4,200 belief systems to choose from in the world. That's a lot of different belief systems to wade through if you're going to find truth. Who is right? As someone said, American culture today has its feet planted firmly in midair. I'd like to think this morning or compare this morning a little bit truth with Mount Everest. Now, I think I've used this before in reference to faith. But, and, and faith is involved here because our belief systems, whatever they are, are at least somewhat based on faith. And so that is involved in this, but what I really want to, to illustrate with this is, has more to do with reality and the existence of reality. Have you ever been to Mount Everest? I'd like to see a show of hands of people who have been to Mount Everest. I have not. Do you believe that Mount Everest exists? So what you're saying is that you believe that Mount Everest is a reality. That for me to tell you, or for you to tell someone that Mount Everest exists is a statement of truth. 
if you said no, or a person disagreed with you, does that change the fact of its existence? No, it doesn't. So what you believe about that reality does not change the fact of its existence. In the same way, what we believe about truth does not change its existence. It is reality. Will the mountain bend its rules of climate and oxygen levels to suit your particular needs or wishes? No. If you're flying over Nepal and Tibet at 26,000 feet and you're heading straight for the peak, you see it's at 27 something, I think. I didn't look up the exact numbers. What you believe about the height of that mountain will have nothing to do with whether you collide with it or not. It'll be the truth about your elevation. So that mountain will not change. If you want to climb that mountain, you have to prepare based on its terms, not on your own terms. I would enjoy being on the summit of Mount Everest one time for the experience of that. But if I want to reach that summit, I will have to climb that mountain based on the, on the terms of the mountain, not on my own terms. Truth is a fixed reality. It does not conform to our wishes or whims. To disregard or disbelieve it does not change its reality or take away the effect it has on life. If you want the benefits of truth, you must come to it on its terms, not your own. Man cannot change the truth. He can only choose how he will relate to it. He can either seek it and find it and adhere to it or reject it and accept the consequences. That brings us to a question that has echoed since the time of Pontius Pilate. What is truth? I'd like to look at that interchange in John 18 between Jesus and Pilate. You can turn there if you like. Just look at two verses. John 18, 37. Pilate therefore saith, Pilate therefore said to him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said to them, I find in him no fault at all. So Pilate was saying to the Jews here, he's saying, I don't find anything that I should convict this man for. Did Pilate believe that truth could be determined 
by the decision of humans. In verse 19, I mean in chapter 19, verse 10, in his interaction with Jesus, then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee and the power to release thee? He's saying that I command the truth about your destiny. I have the power to either crucify you or to release you. Was that the truth? We're going to go back to that here in a little while. And I heard the right response. What is truth? Can Pilate's question be answered? Not very long before this, in John 14, Jesus gave an answer to Pilate's question. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'd like to look at those three things this morning. The way implies a course or direction taken. Jesus is the Creator. The origin of our existence and our destiny the author and finisher, the beginning and the end. In John chapter 2, verse 24, says this, But Jesus did not commit Himself unto them because He knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for He knew what was in man. As the Creator, Jesus knows what is within us. He knows our inner workings. He knows what we need. And it is through Him that we find the way to right, authentic human existence. To human reality. The best human reality. His life and teachings are a picture of the ideal human society. Imagine what the world would be like if everyone followed the teachings of Jesus. We would have a different world. We would have a different culture. What is culture? It's what comes out of our belief system. I'd like to think about these verses in Acts chapter 9. And Saul, breathing, and Saul, yet breathing out threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now what I wanted, want to highlight in that is the, the words, of this way. So the people who were following Jesus were establishing a pattern of life, a way of life that was based on discipleship of Him. Jesus is the way, and these people were following that way. A way of life, a pattern of life. They were living out a belief system. And it was a culture that was centered around the life and teachings of Jesus. 
Jesus came to present the truth about our existence. In Him we find the way of truth. We can avoid His teachings. We can try to figure out a way around His teachings. We can deny the importance of them. But that does not change the truth. And our deepest needs as humans, those deep inner longings that we have that Jesus knows about and the way that we're made up that Jesus knows about can only be met through Him. And that's why Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, whoever does, hears these things and does them builds upon a rock. Because it's both the, the hearing, which leads to the knowing, which leads to the doing. There has to be all three of those in conjunction. If we go back to our illustration about Mount Everest, and we think about the top of the mountain as the summit, we have to both learn the laws, we have to internalize and put them into practice and do the things required to get to the top of that mountain. So all of those things are required for us to reach that summit. And it takes both the hearing and doing for us to experience the way of truth. The life relates to the reality of the spiritual. Let's go back to John chapter 19. In verse 10, Then said Pilate unto him, Speaketh thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee and have the power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except to be given thee from above. Therefore he that, hath, that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. So Jesus says, No. You don't have the power to crucify me and the power to release me. Not on the basis of human power, but only on the basis of the power of the spiritual, that you have been allowed this power, that you have been given this power. Jesus knew about the existence of reality that Pilate could not perceive, the spiritual realm. And Jesus talks about that in Matthew 26 52, talking to his disciples. He says, talking to Peter specifically, he said, Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou not that I could not thinkest thou that I could not now pray to my father, and he shall pre presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Jesus saw something in the spiritual that had far more power than what was in the physical. What the disciples could not see and what Pilate could not see did not change the truth. Talking to Nicodemus about being born of the Spirit, in John chapter 3, verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, 
Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Thou speak, we speak what we do know, and testify what we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. How did Jesus know about the spiritual realities? Because He was from heaven. Because He was the Creator. Because He was God. And He could see the spiritual realities. And He testified. He came to testify to us about the spiritual realm and the power of the spiritual realm. And it's only through Him that we can identify the truth about the spiritual realm. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. Jesus exposes this reality of the spiritual world, and He brings coherence to the spiritual aspects of who we are and the answers of how to experience spiritual life. In Him is the true life that lighteth every man. See, we're three-part beings. Body, soul, and spirit. The body's physical. We have the spiritual, spirit aspect of who we are, and we have the eternal aspect of who we are. And Jesus brings all those together. In Him we find the truth about who we are and who we should be. And He brings together the reality of the physical, spiritual, and eternal. In Colossians 2.10 it says, And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. There's another thing that's going to keep us from reaching the summit of, summit of Everest. And that's going to be our physical condition. If we're not properly prepared physically, we're not going to be able to make it to the summit. And Jesus shows us the reality of who we need to be spiritually to be able to be successful. He shows us the truth about our need for spiritual life. The truth relates to the unchanging existence of reality. John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 1, 14, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. What happens when we come to know this truth? John 8.30 As He spake these words, many believed on Him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If ye continue in My word, then are ye My disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And what was their response? Free from what, said the Jews? We're not anyone's slaves. We're Abraham's children. We're not in bondage. Jesus' response, you are slaves to sin. Makes me think about in Romans where it says all have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. You see, truth exposes the root of our problem. Sin is a deceiver that holds us in bondage and leads to our destruction. But the truth can make us free. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the truth reveals to us the root of our problem and also brings the answer to our problem. But sin is a deceiver. In Galatians 6 it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. They that sow to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And these are words of truth. And those words of truth will not be flexed. God is not mocked. These principles of truth apply to us, to our lives, to the life of all humanity. They are a fixed reality. Their laws as real as the laws of nature. And just as the climber has to know and take into account the truth about the laws of nature and his own physical condition, to reach the summit. We must know the truth to find answers to the four big questions of life. Origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Jesus brings all those together. All of those come together in the word of truth. And it has the answers. My burden in this message is maybe a little bit of what John was talking about last Sunday when he talked about arrogant Mennonites. Is it not easy for me to think that I have the truth because I have so many, I've had so many principles handed to me? But the question is, do I know the truth personally, individually? Because I don't believe that 
as I was thinking about this illustration of Everest, I was thinking about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and that, that our destiny is Him. And we're to fix our eyes on Him. And if He's standing up there at that summit, simply maintaining our culture is not going to get us there. I'm not saying that that's not important. I'm not saying that maintaining our culture isn't important. But if that becomes our focus, but rather the key is aligning with the truth so that our culture will be ordered by that belief system. And so that the things that we do will spring out of what we believe and who we are. And then that brought back to me my responsibility. We each have a responsibility to know the truth personally. And to seek for answers in the Word of truth. Answers to life. To know the truth. Because that spreads out our knowledge of the truth. Or our belief system is going to spread out to others around us. And in knowing the truth, it's going to affect those around us. It's going to affect us, first of all. It's going to affect our families. It's going to affect our church. It's going to affect the lost and dying world around us. How do we want to be an impact? Do we want to be an impact that takes people to the truth? Or do we want to be an impact that takes people away from the truth? And my prayer is that we can be the kind of people who will have a burning desire to align our lives with the truth and to know the truth and then live out that belief. May God bless you. Shall we have a song?